Welcome to Investing in Integrity. I'm Ross Overline, CEO and co-founder of Scholars of Finance, a rapidly growing organization on a mission to inspire character and integrity in the finance leaders of tomorrow. If you're an investor, finance professional, or student aspiring to make an impact with capital, this show is for you. Investing in Integrity brings you conversations with leading minds in finance to help you learn how you can make finance a force for good by investing in integrity. In today's episode, we interviewed another one of our team members, Miranda Jenkins. Miranda has been a leader at SOF for a little over a year now, serving as our chief program officer. Miranda manages student programs, member success, and chapter growth, and is increasingly overseeing our professional membership. Prior to joining us at SOF, Miranda spent almost a decade in the finance industry, at Goldman Sachs in asset management, at AQR in client strategy, and as the COO of a management consulting firm. She got her bachelor's from Arizona State University, and she got her master's in finance from London Business School. Miranda has and will continue to be instrumental in developing and improving our programs and deepening the impact that we have on our students and professional members. We hope you enjoy this deeper look into our leadership development programming and how we've revolutionized the member experience at SOF over the past year, thanks to Miranda's leadership. And now, without further delay, we bring you Miranda Jenkins. Miranda Jenkins, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Investing in Integrity podcast. Have been very, very much looking forward to this. And I know a lot of people in our community are eager to hear about your perspectives and learn more about you as our Chief Program Officer. Before we jump in, how are you doing and where are you calling in from? Hi, I'm doing really well this morning. I've been looking forward to this episode since we've scheduled it to be able to share my story and passion for scholars of finance and the industry. I'm calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona. The warm weather in Arizona is always welcome during our winter offsite. So thank you for hosting. We're excited for the Q4 offsite coming up as well. <laughs> my pleasure. Miranda, let's jump right in. We have limited time and so much to cover. We'll have to do multiple episodes in the months and years ahead here. But let's begin with your story for our audience and community. You spent nearly a decade working in finance before joining Scholars of Finance. Can you begin by sharing your journey and career path with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. I think my career path is a little non-traditional, especially in the beginning, just because I didn't know I wanted to go into finance until my senior year of college which is not a career path that I would ever recommend anyone looking to jump into the industry. You definitely want to hop in and explore divisions and firms your sophomore and junior year for internships, if possible. But for me, I thought initially I was going to go in the hospitality industry. So most of my internships in college were in marketing as well as in hospitality. I even did an internship in Vegas my junior year in marketing for MGM International. After that internship, though, I actually decided that that industry wasn't the one that I wanted to have a high-impact, high-growth career in. And so I say I went through a little bit of midlife crisis my senior year, trying to figure out where I wanted to land my career. And I had a, quite a few friends that had interned with Goldman Sachs. And they said that just with my background, I loved personally investing my own capital when I was in college. I was a business major that I should explore going into investment banking or, or entering into the finance world at an investment bank. Lucky for me, Goldman was coming onto campus 
And that was really my first in-depth look at an investment banking firm, besides kind of what you hear on the news or or very high level at your college career. And I can say I drank the Kool-Aid from day one. I loved everything that they said about the impact that the finance industry has across the board um, in raising capital, as well as helping pensioners or retired workers be able to prolong the capital that they've saved throughout their careers. And so I signed up and applied and was lucky enough to get a job offer at Goldman Sachs and their investment management division focused on corporate actions. For me, I was just happy to have a job in a firm that I fell in love with. I hadn't explored enough of where I thought my career would best grow and where I'd be most interested in. So really when Goldman pitched me, they said, hey, you can move anywhere you want in the firm once you join if you're a top performer. And I have to say that was really true for my career. After a year and a half with the firm, I was moved over to our investment management division, working with multiple hedge funds, uh, focused on long short equity uh, globally, as well as private equity and doing some private credit. I had a great mentor of mine, Umit, who's also a part of Scholars of Finance mentoring. And he really took me under his wing to help me grow and develop in strategy, investor relations, as well as just operationally overseeing the hedge funds with him, helping roll up my sleeves and do really everything non-investment related. From there, I got the opportunity to move to London and I was the deputy COO for their London office, helped really steward in uh, the MIFID II regulations with the asset management team there, And I did my master's part-time at London Business School then, which is where my career takes a little bit of a turn is because of my husband. Goldman Sachs had moved me back to New York. I had joined a real estate fund within Goldman. At that time, they had just moved out from a different division, really needed someone to help them launch a new fund as well as strategically get integrated operationally with the asset management division was enjoying that side of the team, learning a new alternative investment style in the real estate world. And my husband proposed to me. And given he's a UK and German citizen, for me, I just felt that it was probably really pertinent and the right time for me to move back to London. Having had the firm graciously move me to New York, I thought it was the best time to make a switch. And so I moved over with AQR, which their founders are actually Goldman alum as well. So the culture was quite similar in a very positive way, working alongside really uh, driven and bright individuals. And I worked with their institutional and ultra high net worth private clients, uh, prospecting and doing client strategy. And was enjoying it there until COVID. My husband and I got stuck in Arizona during our wedding. and. I feel like my career path is very disjointed, but always in a really good way. We got stuck here, hunkered down for quite a few months working London hours and decided that personally, we'd love to be closer to family and we'd love to utilize the opportunity that COVID had to go through the immigration process for my husband in the U.S. And so for me, I was very lucky. I landed a great role as the chief operating officer for a boutique fintech and bank consulting firm. And I did that in Arizona here until I serendipitously found Scholars of Finance. 
Miranda, you said a couple of times that your career is a bit non-traditional or circuitous. I think it's an incredibly interesting career that you've already led. Very, very interesting story. I think for a lot of college students, especially, they they sort of visualize a career as this very straight, linear path. And they think that your career probably gives a lot of our students hope <laughs> that even if you know they don't get the perfect job day one of the perfect internship, sophomore summer, junior summer, you know, they can still accomplish large and important things like you have and move up and move across organizations organizations at some of the highest levels. That said, I want to ask you a two-part question to follow up your story. First, looking back at your finance career, what was the most rewarding part or story in your finance career? And second, how do you think your career in finance would have been different if scholars of finance had existed when you were in college? I'll probably take the second one first. I think if there was a thriving scholars of finance community on campus, there's a higher likelihood that I would have found it earlier, that I wanted to get into the finance career. And so I wish that SOF existed when I was on campus, but also I'm very glad to be here helping grow it from the ground up and see how we're thriving and really our students are excelling. I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about my finance career was Actually, the people that I met from clients to also the colleagues that I was working with, one of the things that you normally get pitched when you're looking to recruit into finance is that you will be working alongside the best and the brightest in the industry and working with people that really are driven to professionally grow and personally develop. And that will hold you to a high standard. To me, that was definitely the case. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing excellent work for our clients, but also working with great people in the industry to get our jobs done. Thanks, Miranda, for sharing. I I appreciate it. And gosh, I wish that we're a chapter sooner. (laughs) Only we had founded this 10 years earlier. It's interesting thinking about your career. You spent several years at Goldman Sachs. I think it's incredible. And I think probably an inspiration to a lot of our students as well, that even though you only discovered finance really senior year, you were still able to get placed in one of the top investment banks in the world. You spent six years at Goldman Sachs from 2013 to 2019. Goldman Sachs is one of our founding partners at SOF today. I'm curious, what positive shifts did you observe at the firm and in the industry during your time there? I think when I was with Goldman, there was a lot of great cultural shifts and investment shifts that were starting to make a rise. I can say that my time there, ESG very much became not just something that certain areas of the firm was talking about, but you started to see it become a rise of something that the firm wanted to adopt overall, especially the, I think the G part the governance has always been there, especially with investments. But the E and the S portions were really risen, especially looking about environmentally, how investments were going to be making an impact. And so although I'm not a big fan of some of the greenwashing that I'm seeing, I'm really proud to say that ESG really did take a rise culturally and with individuals at the firm to to start having that be a huge focus. And even when we were launching funds, taking that into consideration. Uh, the other one is the DEI efforts. I would say that you could see the shift over my six years. The firm positively in terms of thinking more strategically about how to bring in diverse talent and also making sure that unconscious biases were at least being raised if potentially they were there. 
And that's something that I really appreciated. You started to see a lot more women candidates coming through um, for not just analyst roles. Thanks, Miranda. Your scope and responsibility grew very rapidly, very early in your career, right? At Goldman Sachs, over to AQR, and at the management consulting firm where you served as the COO. What values, principles, or paradigms do you think contributed your early career success? Not being afraid to raise my hand. I'm actually given this advice to a lot of students. You know, I showed up at Goldman's information session from day one, sat in the front row, and asked a lot of questions. Everyone that interviewed me knew who I was if they were at that information session when I went through my interviews. I, I know that sounds easy to do, but not enough people do it. And a lot of people sit in the back row. And so don't be afraid to put yourself out there, even if it makes you uncomfortable, because that's how you're going to get noticed. And then your work's going to speak for itself. So not being afraid to raise your hand, even if I didn't think I was the expert in the field, being okay with asking questions and saying, I'm happy to do this task that nobody else wants to do, even if it's boring, even if it's something that I know I'm going to have to do a little bit of extra work. That definitely has been what's helped me in my career. Actually, how I got really picked up by the hedge fund when I was with Goldman is I was processing one of their corporate actions that literally took us three weeks to figure out how we were actually going to help them with this trade. And I was the youngest person on the team, but I was the only one that really wanted to do it and ended up obviously stewarding that well. And additionally, though, I didn't want to move to London initially when it was offered to me. And I really had to assess what I wanted out of my professional career and my personal career and being okay with making some sacrifices for ultimate benefits long term. And I would never change my decision now. It was the best decision I could have made. But when I was sitting there having a life in New York, having family in Arizona, for me moving across the pond, a girl from Arizona, not a girl from maybe one of the coasts that would have been easier to be like, sure, I'll move to London. But none of my family members had ever lived abroad. So it was something that even my family wasn't necessarily pushing me to do, which seems crazy now as I look back. So just being okay with making some short-term sacrifices and taking a risk. Incredibly important principles. I just want to plus one what you shared. You've heard me tell the story a hundred times about how when Andrew Duff, who is the CEO at Piper Sandler, came and gave that talk to the interns. Of 60 interns, when he said, shoot me an email if you ever want to chat, I was the only one who did. So for any anyone listening who's skeptical of what you shared about speaking up, raising your hand, I just want to debunk any potential skepticism. The end sampling is much greater than one on this particular principle. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing, Miranda. And a lot of our, I want to shift a little bit into Scholars of Finance and your role at Scholars of Finance. It's interesting when I'm out there talking to our donors, to executives, to the CEOs and the partners, right? The LPs in our community, a lot of them, when they ask about my background, your background, they're kind of like, when I tell them about your resume and your background and that you joined SOF, they're kind of like, really? <laughs> like they sort of view it as like, wow, we got this incredible leader. But some of them are like, man, that person could have been, you know, had this incredible career in finance for 20, 30 years, et cetera. I think a lot of times they really admire our decision to move into this organization, right? To commit our careers to scholars of finance and to our mission. 
And so I'd love for you to share with our audience and with our community who haven't met you yet. Can you share the story of how you learned about scholars of finance? What attracted you to this mission and what you do in your role today? I think the most interesting part is I hadn't heard of scholars of finance before LinkedIn just popped it in front of me and said, you would be a great chief program officer. And obviously coming from the the more investment side of the industry, I had no idea what a chief program officer was. And I had never heard of scholars of finance, but the name caught my attention. Since I am a master's in finance, I had spent a decade in the industry. And so I just clicked out of pure curiosity. And I guess LinkedIn algorithms are very good. And I should pay them a compliment there. But when I read the mission of the organization and what this person would be doing as a chief program officer, I started to think a little bit differently. Uh, If you would have asked me then if I thought I would move to a startup nonprofit, my answer probably would have been no, but it was the mission that caught my attention. And I thought about it for, gosh, couple of hours just thinking, this is something very interesting that they're doing that's unique that the industry needs. And I, at the time, wanted to be a part of something that I knew I could use my background to strategically grow the mission. And for me, eventually, I thought, what better way for me to actually use my finance background than to create and help this company and organization create a community of values-focused individuals. And so it was curiosity at first. It was the mission second. It was also the team and what you and Steven and our students had done that made me realize this was very viable and solidified my decision to really move forward with the application. And tell our audience what you do as the chief program officer. What are your responsibilities? What do you do day to day? I would say it's a lot of different things, but all of it focuses around ensuring that our programs are valuable to our members, ensuring that our experience on the member journey from freshman year to professional membership is one that provides education, value, and community throughout all four of those years and beyond. And so that's coaching our students, checking in with our different chapters, uh, making sure that The programs are getting executed in a quality standard across the board, and also strategically thinking about where we want to grow and how we want to improve. As all of our members have probably seen, not only have we grown since I've joined from 16 chapters to now over 43, but we've also improved our programs. And we've done lots of great updates and changes that hopefully is adding value to those facilitating and making it less. administratively burdensome and easier for them to to actually facilitate these valuable programming and programs, but also just the overall experience is valuable to where people are feeling personally connected to their foundational values and where they want to go in the future, but also connected with each other as well. I'm glad that LinkedIn's algorithm worked. So I want to plus one shout out to LinkedIn um, for that enormous help. We would not have Miranda Jenkins here at Scholars of Finance without you, LinkedIn. Thank you if any of you are listening. (laughs) Miranda, I would love to ask you quickly, you know, you've been at Scholars of Finance a little over a year now. We just celebrated your one-year anniversary. What has been your most memorable moment or accomplishment with us so far? I thought long and hard about this one because there's been a lot of accomplishments. 
but probably I'm going to take it as my favorite memory and that I feel very <laughs> accomplished for, but not in the sense that I had much to do with it. But um, Erin Fang, who's one of our, was one of our interns last year, she wanted to get an internship with Goldman Sachs. And we were having our Northeastern Symposium at the same time that she was going through the interviews. And she messaged me and said, Miranda, my interview is during the first hour of the symposium. I really want to come from UPenn and be there for the Northeastern Symposium, but I can't because of this interview and I don't know where I would actually sit. And so I told her, I was like, don't worry, come down. Both are going to be valuable. We're going to find you a space. You're going to be able to go to the symposium and a network with professionals and students alike, which was at KKR's headquarters. And it was just a great symposium, but we'll figure it out. So her and I brainstormed together to find her space. I was running to let her into a room right before the symposium happened. And then she came and joined us afterwards and she got her internship. For me, that all of my memorable moments that I treasure the most is when I've helped coach our students to get into an internship or a full-time job that they want, even if it's a small, a small aspect that I've helped with. But this one was very close to my heart because Erin was one of our interns. She's just an amazing, bright woman and will have a great career ahead of her. And it was just such a unique um, moment just seeing her kind of achieve what she wanted to achieve. Aaron Fang is absolutely incredible. Aaron, if you're listening, we all love you and adore you here on the national team. And we're so excited for you and proud of you. Miranda, I remember that vividly when you had shared about that. You were sharing updates with us in real time about what was happening. And I think that really demonstrated how much heart and compassion you have for our students and how much you care about our students. At Scholars of Finance, our work is inherently to invest in each and every individual student. And I think it's a really, really rare, I would call it sort of mix of traits that you have, that you can see the big picture, you can think strategically, you can sort of look at the entire engine and machine and help streamline it, operate it, run it, while simultaneously you show up in a one-on-one and you're like that student's best friend for those 30 minutes. And it's genuine. You really care about every single one of them. And it's something that I've grown to appreciate about you and that our entire community has grown to appreciate about you so much. Speaking of how great you are and how much you care about everyone in this organization, um, I've also heard you're a great manager and leader on the team for your your staff. We'll be at more more than 50 universities with seven core programs before year end. And we're currently hiring a director of member success to join us here at SOF to help transform the lives of our students as we grow. For anyone considering joining our team, maybe listening to this and potentially interviewing currently in our process, how would you describe our culture at SOF and what makes this a special place to work? Great question. This is the smallest organization that I've ever worked for. And I was really looking to join a small team so that we could have as much of an impact together and grow together. I think I love how much we collaborate and we're really close as a team from the executive teams to even our students. Everyone being able to raise their hand, raise their voice if they disagree with something, but also if there's just an improvement we need to make, not being worried that we're stuck in the status quo because we move fast and we iterate and it's really important for the health of our organization as well as the health of our culture as a team 
to continue moving forward and gaining that momentum and not being afraid to iterate. For any candidates listening, you heard from Miranda directly. It's a huge opportunity. We'll work hard. We get a lot done, but we we have a good time and we take care of each other while we do it. Miranda, I'd love to shift into our 2022 program changes that we made, the academic year ahead. Gosh, the last year of you being on the team has marked some of the most transformative innovation we've had at Scholars of Finance. We pride ourselves on being an innovative organization, having an innovative culture. Recently, you and our director of program development, Randall Ledette, have been traveling to various chapters to meet our members. And I want to shift into what you're hearing and seeing there. You've been going there to help our student leaders be successful, inspire them to our mission and values. I want you to share with our audience, what was the experience like? What has the experience been like on those visits? And can you share any interesting insights you've been deriving from your visits to our students? That's a great question. It's been really great traveling with Randall, especially after uh, she has been the huge, really, I want to say Randall's been the main driver for some of our program updates that we did over the summer, especially in our leadership development program. All of the changes there really would not have taken place without Randall and her great work ethic and mind to think creatively on how to, to bring in some more activities into our discussions. But what I've been seeing with the students is I would say all of our chapters are craving for community and craving for a unique community of individuals that want to make a difference. That's something that I think is very different than when I was at university in such a positive way. And so for me, just hearing that the students are enjoying the updates that we've made to our leadership development program that they enjoy spending an hour and a half with each other, sometimes more. Some have gone over time to really dive into where they want to be, what type of leader they want to be in the future, what type of impact or change they want to have, and wanting also advice on how to continue personally and professionally growing. That's what we're hearing consistently. No matter where we are, whether we're at Prairie View in Texas or we're at Georgetown in D.C., or UPenn in Philadelphia, it's a consistent theme of individuals that want a community and want to personally grow. As you have mentioned, and as you know, 2022 is a monumental year of growth and change for us. We shipped a lot of innovations to our community over the summer. Can you walk our audience through some of the key program changes that we made and how we think they will help us better serve our students? Yes, we did uh, three major updates. One was to our leadership development program. We adjusted our content um, to make it a little bit more interactive. It used to be more of discussion only. We did not get rid of discussion. That's still very, very vital to growing and thinking about your values and what type of leader you want to be and learning from each other. But we also actually updated it to where we created our own learning management system on our member portal. So this actually made it just a little bit easier for our facilitators to stop focusing on the administrative tasks and start being able to really focus on facilitating the leadership development program and really diving into the content more, which I think is so vital and important. And we've made some really great updates to the content We added an exercise on fear, thinking about how that actually impacts your values and your impact in the world. And we added a debate section as well on whether you should be focusing on all stakeholders in a transaction or just focusing on your clients and shareholders. 
what I think are very, very valuable and um, just a tidbit of some of the program updates that we did. We also really revitalized and overhauled our mentorship network. So we used to do what we would call more of the traditional forced pairing. If student A wanted a mentor in a certain area in finance or maybe an alumni of their school, we would pair them with a mentor for six months and they would just meet consistently every month to talk about career growth or changes or questions that the student had. That worked really well for some of our mentees and mentors. And for others, after a couple of meetings, it it got a little bit tedious, felt a little too forced. And so what we wanted to really do and, and how we changed it is we opened up our mentorship network to be more of this um, open pairing model to where students can see all of our available professionals and request them for a one-on-one coaching session with absolutely no need for a follow-up meeting. But this allows for more organic relationships to develop, which is exactly what our students are going to see in the real world. Not that somebody's going to pair you and you're paired for life, that you really do need to cultivate and develop relationships based off of various people that you meet in your life. And the very last one is, is our member journey. We've added multiple stages um, from freshman to senior year of benefits that you unlock as you become, as you're a member of Scholars of Finance, as well as made our membership standards a little bit more of a a menu-based approach so that students can still um, actively be involved, but as they grow in their member journey and have been with Scholars of Finance more, they can start to give back instead of needing to be in attendance only at some of our events, allowing them to to donate their time through peer mentorship, as well as donating also some of their time to national helping drive forward our our mission. One of the examples is interviewing at launching chapters leadership team members as well. So we're really excited to roll out these changes. They're live now and, and see hopefully how it helps our community stay stronger. Thank you, Miranda, for helping lead and drive all of those those innovations to our programs and to the member experience. I think the changes that we made to the leadership development program are going to make such a big difference. Even getting some of the subject matter expert input that we got, Ariel Gans, right, who's getting her postdoc at Stanford, I think is quoted in Tony Robbins' new book a dozen times. Heidi Gardner, who runs the leadership development program at Harvard Law School. So some of these leaders, JC Deswan, one of our advisors, who's reviewed the program for a third time, who teaches ethics and finance at Princeton. We've been so fortunate to get some of the leading minds in leadership, psychology, and finance um, to review the program and get input on it. So that's one thing I want to add on that I'm really grateful that you and Randall really drove. And so I'm glad that we identified sort of the chemistry problem that the forced pairing system has for all nonprofit mentorship programs. And we made that switch to more of the marketplace model. So thank you for leading that. And for membership 3.0, the member journey, which you mentioned, I think it's really, really exciting now that based on member feedback, you know, there is a journey design so that every year you're in scholars of finance, you get have different requirements, different standards, and you get new benefits, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. I think that this summer represented the most significant suite of changes that we've ever made as scholars of finance in any one period of time. And I don't know that that could have happened without your leadership, Miranda. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I want to shift to a related topic, which is technology briefly. 
a lot of our donors have said that Scholars of Finance feels as much like a VC-backed fintech startup as we do a nonprofit and leadership development organization. Um, we have invested heavily in technology at Scholars of Finance. Shout out to our chief operating officer, Steven Sorensen, who runs the technology team. Can you, Miranda, share with our listeners how you think about technology and the advantages that it affords our members? Yes, absolutely. And I have to plus one that shout out to Stephen because I would not have been able to do half of what, if not all of what we did this last year without his help and without the help of the technology team. Um, we've actually had students that have come on board to help us develop our technology as well. Technology really, for me, is an is the ability to really unlock and grow our community, but also grow our, our reach. And so as we think strategically about just our technology systems in general, we want to use it to be able to have resources be more available for all of our members, no matter where they're located, connect our community more. So that's something that I believe our members are going to see even more of this coming year in 2023 is that we really want to have our member portal be a, a dashboard to really unlock the community to each other so that they can connect. But also it's something that we need to utilize to be able to get our programs and oversee our chapter health so we can scale. That's probably the more boring <laughs> approach to technology that the listeners might not care as much about, but actually growing from 16 chapters to 50 by the end of the year, it's really important for us, for our brand, to be able to have proper oversight of where our programs are and how our chapters are growing. And in order for us to have that visibility for brand consistency so that we know all of our members are having the same type of valuable experience and programming, no matter where they are in the world. And so for me, technology also is something that we can use for us to really ensure that our brand is maintained and our programs are maintained as we scale. It's so important. And I appreciate the emphasis that you've placed on it, Miranda, as a leader in the organization. I sometimes have donors say, how much does it cost per chapter or to launch a chapter? And instead of just giving a discrete number, my answer is, well, you can divide our total expenses by the number of universities and get a number. But over time, that number continues to decrease. Um, because through technology, through good systems and processes, we actually can scale non-linearly. We can unlock efficiency over time, right? There's like a high impact ROI to donating to SOF because we're going to take that $25,000, $50,000 donation, and we're going to 10X that over time, 100X that over time, let alone saying, thinking those hundreds, thousands of students that that money impacts 50 years from now, they'll be managing billions and trillions of dollars. Pretty soon, the impact ROI calculations seem unbelievable when you start to run the math on the dollars over a 50-year time horizon. So I'm glad that you have partnered with Steven so successfully to make technology central to that, making that possible. I know we're coming up on time. I'm gonna, Can I hit you with a couple of rapid-fire questions, Miranda, before we wrap yes. up? All right. Can you provide a bit of a teaser regarding some upcoming program updates and improvements that you're excited about in the academic year ahead? Yes, I'm really excited to launch our SOF forums for our seniors. Uh, it's something that we've added to our benefits, and this is going to unlock professional membership and community across chapters uh, for seniors that are interested. That's that's probably the one I'm most excited about. And to all of our advisors who are in YPO and to everyone in YPO listening, thank you so much for the inspiration for the forums. <laughs> Miranda, 
Can you share with our student listeners how they can both get the most out of Scholars of Finance and how they can set themselves up to be most successful in their budding finance careers? So show up and start building the connections. Your members that you have at school are going to go into the industry as well. So utilize those relationships now to where in the future, you all can also help each other and collaborate and eventually um, work together or be there to support each other in the industry. Otherwise, I would say the technicals are important and you cannot be high performing without that knowledge. So I don't want to say don't focus on that, but actually focusing on your own personal and professional growth is just as important. You don't want to sit next to somebody for eight to 12 hours a day that um, isn't agreeable to work with and and you don't feel is is a, a good person. And so focus on your own growth, what type of leader and professional you want to continue to grow and develop into. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. And of course, many of our programs require the involvement of finance leaders, right? Of analysts to associates and VPs to managing directors, partners, and CFOs and CEOs. As speakers, as mentors, as donors, as advisors, how would you encourage finance professionals who aren't involved yet to get involved? How can they do that? And for those already involved, how can they step it up? Yes, I would say for those not involved, think about your bandwidth. If you only have time once a quarter, once every six months, think about speaking with a local chapter or virtually. Join our network there. For those that uh, want a little bit more involved or want to directly coach students, uh, join our mentorship network. You can set your own preferences on how often you want to be reached out to and where, whether it's just where you went to college or a local university. That would be the first step. For those that are already involved, the best way I would say is become a vocal promoter of SOF. Start getting your colleagues involved. Let them know that we exist, what our mission is about, and help connect them to us. Incredibly well said. Thank you, Miranda. And to all of our professionals listening, I hope you'll heed Miranda's advice. Miranda, final rapid fire question. What is your vision for the future of Scholars of Finance? I would like to see SOF become the number one voice of ethics and finance. How we get there is through an active global community of students and professionals that are collaborating together to personally and professionally grow and innovate the culture of the industry as well as the investments in the industry. That's where I'd like to see us go. I'd love to see us get there too. Thank you, Miranda. Thank you for your help, inspiring character and integrity in the finance leaders of tomorrow, fostering purpose-driven, principled leadership in the next generation. We're so grateful for your leadership. I know we only got to scratch the surface today. We'll have to have you on again in the future. There's so many more questions to ask and so much more ground to cover. In the meantime, thank you again for your leadership and can't wait for all the big things ahead. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Investing in Integrity by Scholars of Finance. I want to share a huge thank you to our advisors, directors, donors, team, and our members who make this all possible. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedback for us, you can send it to hello at scholarsoffinance.org or by visiting our website. Until next time, Please join us on our mission to inspire character and integrity in the finance leaders of tomorrow.